Hey, what's going on, Bucks fans? We're back with a brand new episode of the Ike Bucks podcast. We have a great show for you guys today. My name is KJ Eichstead. I will be your host, and it's actually going to be a solo pod today because the Lakers are on the schedule. Brian is in a meeting, and we need to get you a preview. So we're going to talk a lot about the Bucks versus the Lakers. Uh, a lot of people consider this to be the biggest matchup of the year. It's on the Lakers' home turf at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. We all know what happened last time the Bucks and the Lakers played. The Bucks got them good at the Pfizer Forum. And it is the infamous matchup, Giannis versus LeBron. This is what headline writers dream of. And you know that they're going to be stirring up some stories for this one. So if you don't already, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, Ike Bucks where you're going to find all the Giannis and Bucks content you could ever want, as well as the conversation surrounding that. So without further ado, let's jump right in. All right, so just to give you guys a quick recap since our last podcast, um, the Bucks have had a few games, and when we last talked, they were fresh off an impressive road victory versus the Raptors. So what's happened since then? The Bucks had a challenging matchup versus the Thunder, who were then, since Thanksgiving, the second best team in the NBA to the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, how did that one work out? The Bucks demolished them, almost winning by 50 points. And, you know, it's just mind-blowing how good this team is. They're asserting their dominance. Uh, any test that comes their way, they're seeming to pass with flying colors. They followed that impressive victory versus Thunder up with a road victory over the Hornets. A noon game that was a little sloppy, but naturally you're asking the Bucks to play at noon and it's not their ideal time to play a game. They ended up losing to Miami the next day and I think everyone was a little frustrated with that game. Uh, a lot of people like to you know, if you're not a Bucks fan, if you're not from the city of Milwaukee, if you're not supporting this team, uh, some people like Stephen A. Smith, they might want to call red alert. This Bucks team has red flags. They have flaws, whatever. Um, the Heat packed the paint. Is that the blueprint to defend Giannis? Well, turns out a lot of things went right for the Heat. A lot of things went wrong for the Bucks. And I don't think anyone is worried, even though the Heat have beaten the Bucks twice this season. So we'll see how that develops as the season goes on. Uh, it's going to be very tough for any team to beat the Bucks four straight times or four game, four times in a seven-game series, but we'll see how it goes. And then the Bucks then traveled uh, back to Milwaukee to take on the Indiana Pacers and Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon ended up having to leave due to an injury, but they had a close game and ended up turning it into a 19-point victory. So here we go, the Milwaukee Bucks are the number one team in the NBA. They sit atop the league with a record of 53 and nine, a percentage of 855. That's how much they win. They win 85.5% of their games. And guess who's number two? A distant second, but in their own tier, the Los Angeles Lakers. They're five games back of the Bucks. They're 47 and 13, a 783 win percentage. Um, current state of the teams, you know, the Bucks are eight and two in their last 10, the Lakers are nine and one. And I don't think there's any doubt uh, around the NBA right now that these are the top two teams. 
LeBron versus Giannis, you just see the similarities. LeBron's old, he's 35, but he's playing like a young man. Giannis is 25, and he is playing like an MVP repeat. We got a lot more to talk about, but the current state of the teams, they're both rolling. Um, you know, when these teams played in the past, the Bucks have actually won. It's something like six straight versus the Lakers dating back to the... 2015-16 season. Now, the Lakers went through a little bit of a rebuild until they acquired King James and Anthony Davis, but the Bucks right now have dished out six straight L's to the Lakers, including the most recent one, December 19th, at the Pfizer Forum when they won 111-104. to 104. So let's see. Let's, let's dive a little deeper. Let's take a look at how the Lakers and the Bucks have been playing since the All-Star break. Now, it's been about six or seven games, depending on who's played and what. And if you look at the Lakers, King James leads the way. He's averaging 29 points in 35 minutes since the break. He's averaging 9.8 assists, 7.7 rebounds. Phenomenal numbers. He's the facilitator. He's evolved his game in ways that I don't know if anyone really expected this in his 17th season. But King James continues to be phenomenal and defy his critics, defies expectations. He's an amazing player. He has a fantastic case for the MVP, although it's not quite as good as Giannis's. We'll get back into that in just a sec. But below him, Anthony Davis. He's, you know, Robin to Batman, 1A and 1B, however you want to call it. He's averaging 32 minutes a game since the break and putting up 26 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, probably the best player LeBron has ever played with. No disrespect to D. Wade. And Chris Bosh in Miami, no disrespect to Kyrie and K-Love, although Anthony Davis is a league above those guys. Um, after that, it's a steep drop-off for the Los Angeles Lakers. There's Kyle Kuzma. He's averaging 12.6 points a game since the break. I know a lot of Lakers fans, a lot of people around the league have been critical of his play. Is he too obsessed with attention? You know, he's dying his hair weird, weird colors. He's posting crazy stuff on Instagram, stuff that has nothing to do with basketball whatsoever. Sometimes you wonder where his head at, is at, and rightly so. Uh, it's really affected his game this year. He's taken a huge step back and very, very, very close to being shipped out of town over the trade deadline. Then you look at uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, KCP. He's averaging 11 a game. Uh, you go down the list, Avery Bradley's averaging 8 a game. Dwight Howard, about 8 a game. Danny Green, 7 a game. He's played not great this year considering his contract. Alex Caruso, who the media seems to be obsessed with, he's averaging six a game. And then they picked up Markeith Morris. He's averaging about six a game. And keep in mind, this is all since the All-Star break. At the very bottom of the stat sheet is Jared Dudley averaging a whopping 0.0 points per game. Um, you know, once again, we love Dudley. We're big fans of him. Shout to Dudley for following Night Bucks and interacting with us and all that. Uh, his stuff... His contribution, it's not always going to be putting the ball in the basket. Uh, his basketball IQ is very high, and I think people around the league, whether it's executives, whether it's teammates, uh, players on opposing teams, they do have respect for him in terms of what he's able to add to an organization as a vet. So let's transition to the Bucks, and we're, we're going to stay on the same theme of talking about since the All-Star break. Giannis's scoring has come down a little bit. He's averaging a little bit more playing time than he did prior to the break. He's averaging 31 minutes, and he's scoring 27 points a game. 
However, his rebounding has gone crazy. He's gone, you know, Andre Drummond and then some. He's averaging 16.3 rebounds a game since the break. That is absurd. 15.1 defensive rebounds. 15.1. Just let that sink in. 5.3 assists. As always, he's making MVP-type plays, whether it's a big three, whether it's blocking a shot, giving his guys confidence, giving his guys encouragement, keeping his team loose with the wrestling matches in the tunnel before the games. Giannis is really bringing it on the court and off the court right now, doing whatever it takes to have this team win. And it's, it should be important to note that post-All-Star break means you know, post the birth of baby Liam. Giannis has been a father the entire post-All-Star break. His scoring has come down. His rebounding has gone up. His assists has stayed fairly similar. Uh, obviously, that doesn't really relate in any way, but his game is exceptional still. Chris Middleton, once again, he's averaging a little more time than he was before the break. He's averaging 32.6 minutes per game, but he's averaging 25.4 points a game. So he's really beefed up that scoring. We've seen what he can do throwing up huge point totals when the team needs him, when Giannis is out. Uh, He's averaging 7.4 rebounds a game. I remember in the old NBA era, you know, maybe even like five to 10 years ago, 7.4 rebounds. If you could have your center do that, if you could have your power forward do that, that's huge. You know, that's great work. It's a good day's work. And Chris Middleton, as the Bucks shooting guard, small forward, wing, whatever you'd like to categorize him as, is averaging 7.4 rebounds per game post-break. And that's actually second on the team by a wide margin. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is averaging six rebounds a game post-All-Star break, whereas Brooke Lopez is only averaging 4.5. Robin Lopez is averaging one. So it's just kind of an interesting stat when you look at it like that. Chris Middleton is really helping Giannis kind of ignite the break and grab those rebounds. You look at the number three scorer on the Bucks after the All-Star break, Brooke Lopez, which is kind of encouraging considering the season he's had so far. He's averaging 25 minutes, 14 points. If he can give us that, well, he also gives us his stellar defense, it's going to be a great thing for Bucks fans. Eric Bledsoe, he's next, 26.7 minutes a game, only 12.7 points, four rebounds, 5.6 assists. You'd like to see those numbers come up a little bit. Um, Bledsoe is a fantastic player and a star in his role. He doesn't have to be the main guy like he did in Phoenix. Um, but but you are expecting a little bit more out of someone who just signed a deal. Um, you'd like to see his averages increase post-All-Star break, not decrease. George Hill's just doing his thing, averaging 10 points a game, super vet out there. Robin Lopez has really picked up his game since the All-Star break. He's averaging 8 points in 18 minutes. So if you go per 36, that's 16 points. Uh, Wesley Matthews, Dante DiVincenzo is playing phenomenal. Um, then you go down the bench, there's Pat, there's Marvin Williams, all kind of contributing a little bit. Ursan hasn't really been playing much, so neither has Sterling or DJ been bouncing a little bit back and forth between the G League. But that gives you a little bit of the picture of the teams since the All-Star break. Now, if we go a little deeper into the stats, as far as just the teams, comparing the teams, the Bucks lead the NBA with a 12.2 point differential. That is... I believe, last time I checked, is on pace to be the highest of all time. The Los Angeles Lakers, no slouches themselves, have a plus 7.5 point differential. That means on average they score 7.5 points more per game than their opponents, if, if anyone didn't know what that meant. 
Um, I know there's a lot of advanced fans listening, and I know there's a lot of casual fans listening. Just want to make sure we cover it all for everybody. Um, what's really interesting is that when you look at the field goal percentage uh, differential between the Bucks and their opponents and the Lakers and their opponents, both teams are extremely positive in that regard, whereas the Bucks shoot 7% better than their opponents and the Lakers shoot 4% better than their opponents. And that, that kind of factors in offense and defense. So just like the mark of some good teams. Uh, what's interesting about the Bucks is that their three point percentage is only 0.2 percentage, um, 0.2, one fifth of a percent above their opponents. So we may shoot a lot of threes, but we don't necessarily play a lot of defense on those threes. Um, as we've seen before, that might be the Bucks Achilles heel a little bit. But at the end of the day, this team's, it is a strength of them to shoot threes, but Giannis is their ultimate strength. So uh, that's something the Bucks can live with. They've been extremely successful with their current style, and there's no need to uh, fix it if it ain't broke. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Something that's actually really interesting that's unique to the Bucks and the Lakers atop the league when you sort these stats is that we're, if you look at teams 3 through 13 record-wise, or sorry, point differential-wise, teams 3 through 13 all have a positive free throw percentage when compared to their opponents, meaning they shoot better from the line than their opponents. They get the easy ones, and they do that better than their opponents. kind of helps out in those close games. Well, the Bucks, we don't really play a lot of close games, and neither do the Lakers, but it's almost alarming in the fact that the Bucks shoot 3.9 percentage points worse than their opponents on free throws. And the Lakers are even worse, shooting point, excuse me, 4.9 percentage points worse than their opponents. A lot of that can be attributed to you know, LeBron James' free throw issues, Giannis's very own free throw issues. Something to look at, something that steps out. Um, the Bucks actually have a positive uh, turnover percentage in regards to their opponents. Um, and the Lakers are turning the ball over uh, 0.3 percentage points less than their opponents. So, you know, very close to zero. Kind of varies by game. Obviously, Giannis is going to handle the ball a lot. He's going to have his fair share of turnovers, but there's nothing that jumps out at you there. And what's actually kind of concerning, and a lot of Bucks fans could relate to this, is that when you look at the personal foul stat, the Milwaukee Bucks... Average, 2.3 less fouls a game than their opponents. Despite being the number one team in the NBA, you could call it roughing. You could call it small market bias. You could call it Giannis isn't a flopper. Therefore, his teammates don't follow his lead, and they also refuse to flop, which I have the highest respect for. But you, you, you'd like to hope that in the playoffs, this differential in terms of fouls called for doesn't come back to haunt the Bucks in a close game. Luckily, their point differential is so high, we don't anticipate them playing in many close games. Although in the playoffs, there will be those close games. So just something to keep an eye on when you compare the, the two teams, the Bucks and the Lakers versus the rest of the league how do they how do they stack out how do they you know get an edge over their opponents a couple stats we just went over right there so 
That takes us to the deeper debate that everybody is talking about. And that's the MVP race, Giannis versus LeBron. Now, if you ask someone in Milwaukee who the MVP is, if you ask someone in the Midwest who the MVP is, maybe outside of Cleveland, everybody's going to tell you Giannis Antetokounmpo without hesitation. However, if you ask a casual NBA fan, maybe they're overseas, shout out to all the international followers, uh, maybe they don't get to watch a lot of NBA. Maybe they just see a lot of highlights because of the time differentials. Maybe you're talking to someone in New York or L.A., one of the bigger markets who have that big market bias. They, they only watch the stars. They might tell you that it's LeBron James. I know a lot of the commentators around the league, the majority of them believe Giannis is the MVP, but there are a few stragglers out there who look at LeBron, and here he is, year 17. He's having absurd assist, assist numbers, and you have to give him a lot of credit because... You know, there's really nothing you can knock LeBron's game on. It's just that Giannis has simply been better. So as we compare the two, Giannis is averaging 29.6 points a game, 13.8 points a game, 5.8 assists a game, and a number one in the league, 31.9 player efficiency rating. That's PER. Those are crazy numbers. I believe that PER is the highest of all time if he continues at that pace. LeBron, you look at him, 25.4 points a game, 7.8 rebounds a game, 10.7 assists, which is absurd. But if you look at his PER, it's actually 25.8 a game, which is eighth in the league. Still very, very good. But it actually trails Anthony Davis, his all-star teammate. Um, once again, LeBron could win MVP if this was any other season. You know, I don't think anyone would really be giving him too much of, too much of an uh, argument against that. But, man, Giannis, really, what can you say? This guy does it all. He does it on the offensive end, the defensive end. If you look at his per 40-minute numbers, they increase every year, by the way. Last year in his MVP season, he averaged 33.8, 15.4 rebounds, 7.2 assists, per 40 minutes with 30.95 PER. This year, he takes it a step higher. He takes it a level higher. He's averaging 38.4 points per 40, 17.9 rebounds per 40, 7.5 assists per 40. It's just unbelievable. His PER has increased, his rebound rates increased, his usage rate's gone up a little bit, but he's maintained that efficiency and even increased it. And those numbers are better than LeBron James. As good as LeBron James has been, as great of a person as he is, you know, we could debate that at a different time, but he does a lot for, you know, the game of basketball. He gets a lot of criticism no matter what he does. He's a tremendous player. He's a tremendous person. So is Giannis. And this is his MVP award to lose. So all things considered, you look at these you know, individual stats, you compare the two, you give it a little context, you look at the head-to-head -head matchups, Giannis got the first one on his home court, LeBron, you know, he has a chance to get even the season series uh, on his home court. Right now, all things point to Giannis repeating as an MVP. So that's something that Bucks fans can, you know, take comfort in. So to take a little break and... Um, you know, move on to the supporting cast because it's not just LeBron versus Giannis. There are other players in the court. There are other players on the team. Uh, we're just going to dive in a little bit and see what these supporting casts look like. So 
if you look at the Bucks, um, you know, who are they going to be supporting Giannis with? Who are else besides, besides Giannis? Do they have to throw up against the Lakers, who are the second-best record in the league? Let's start with Anthony Davis matching up against Brooke Lopez. Now, obviously, Anthony Davis is extremely athletic. He's extremely skilled. He can shoot it. He can rebound. He's tough. He's got that dog in him. He competes. Uh, he's proven he can win a championship in Kentucky. You know, he's, he's won before. That was the reason he wanted to force his way out of New Orleans. He was sick of not contending. Yes, he probably wanted a bigger market, but the real thing was he, he wasn't winning enough there and will never, ever support players forcing their way out of teams over here at Ike. But Anthony Davis is a tremendous player no matter which way you slice it or dice it. He is averaging on the year. 26.6 points a game, 9.5 rebounds a game, 3.2 assists per game with 2.5 blocks, and a 28.49 player efficiency rating. That is dang good. That is very, very impressive. And to be honest, probably the best number two or number one, whatever you want to call him, number 1A, number 1B in the league. He's the perfect sidekick for LeBron. Uh, LeBron, as he gets a little older, Anthony Davis is still young. He's agile. He's athletic. He's strong. He really checks off every single box. And I know last year when him and Giannis were, you know, kind of handshaking in the tunnel, Giannis was recruiting him to Milwaukee for a little bit. Um, you know, he's a player that we would love to see in Milwaukee sometime. So maybe keep that in mind for down the road. Anthony Davis is a free agent at the end of the season, although everyone expects him to re-sign at the Lakers. And why wouldn't he? They're having a great year. He seems to enjoy it. Um, out there in L.A. Uh, he's a tremendous player that Brooke Lopez, all we can hope for as Bucks fans is for him to slow him down. Now, Brooke Lopez, he can't really compete with uh, Anthony Davis defensively, or sorry, excuse me, offensively, but one way he can compete with him is defensively. Brooke Lopez is one of the best rim protectors in the league, and if he can make life difficult for Anthony Davis, which you know he can because Brooke is a very, very, very intelligent player in terms of footwork, basketball IQ, just being at the right spot at the right time, helping out Giannis in that regard, just like the way AD helps out LeBron. There's no doubt Anthony Davis is the edge in that matchup, but if Lopez can make life difficult, it's going to very much benefit the Bucks. So then we look at Middleton versus Kyle Kuzma. And Kyle Kuzma, who knows what's going on with that guy? He has taken a huge step back this year. He's only averaging on the season 12.6 points a game. That's not even since the All-Star break. That's on the season Man, what happened to this guy? Either he was putting Apollo stats on a bad team, or he really just got caught up in the Hollywood lifestyle, realized he didn't really care about playing basketball, and his game took a step back in almost every regard. His player efficiency rating is 11.49. And uh, real quick, for the fans who aren't familiar with player efficiency rating, it basically takes everything a player does in the basketball court and measures how efficient they are relative to the amount of time they're on the court. And the player average every single year, or excuse me, the league average is 15. So if a player is above 15, that means they're an above average player and very valuable. If they're hovering around 15, it means they are still very valuable and a very much a contributing player on a good team. But if they're below 15, towards that 10 range, towards that 12 range, um, you know, these guys might be rotation pieces, but they're really nothing exceptional. And Kyle Kuzma has an 11.49 player efficiency rating. He's just not that good this year. He might not. I mean, he, he is very talented. He is athletic. But you almost wonder if it's in his head, if he's been caught up in the lifestyle. 
Chris Middleton, you know that he is not caught up in the Hollywood lifestyle. He loves keeping it low-key, and his game reflects that. Fresh off signing a five-year, $178 million deal in which he was just drugged through the ringer by you know, NBA fans, NBA folks, people who said he'd never live up to it. There was a large portion of Bucks fans who unfortunately weren't very supportive of Chris. But he is just past those tests with flying colors in year one of his big deal. He's averaging 30 minutes a game, 21 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 4.3, or sorry, 4.1 assists, playing exceptional defense, usually taking the other team's toughest assignment. And his player efficiency rating is 22.02. That is phenomenal. That is an amazing second star. Uh, people around the league know how good Chris Middleton is. More on that in a sec. But Chris Middleton, no doubt, wins that matchup versus Kyle Kuzma. Quick side note, all these matchups are going to be fluid. There's a lot of switching that goes on in the NBA. But just for conversation's sake, we're going to kind of put these players up against each other that they're a little similar to. So um, expect things to ebb and flow uh, during the actual gameplay. So then that moves us on to point guards. You have Eric Bledsoe versus Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo. Eric Bledsoe, as we kind of touched on earlier, he hasn't been having the best second half, but if you look at his season numbers, he's really just being a star in his role, playing great defense, 15.3 points a game in 27 minutes, uh, 4.7 boards, 5.4 assists, great defense, and a PER of 18.28. That's tremendous from your number three. That is tremendous. That is tremendous. And as we saw you know, against the Pacers when Bledsoe attacks downhill, when he shoots that three without hesitation, it's a beautiful sight, and it really just unlocks the team. Uh, Avery Bradley, 8.4 points a game, 23.7 minutes, 1.3 assists, 9.13 PER. Not much to say. He was a former number one overall recruit out of high school, played one year at Texas, bounced around the league a little bit, had a little bit of success in Boston. One might consider that the Brad Stevens effect. Uh, has bounced around since, had a poor spell in Detroit, but here he is on the Lakers, kind of just getting some time because the, the Lakers had to give up all their assets to get Anthony Davis. So here he is on a squad getting 24 minutes a game. Uh, Rajon Rondo, 21 minutes a game, 7.3 points, 5 assists, 3 boards. He is what he is, 12.93 PER. He's not great on defense uh, by any means. He's probably trying a little harder than he was in the past when he admitted he took entire seasons off of playing defense. But once again, this guys he's a vet. You know, he's old. He doesn't move like he used to. And there's no doubt Bledsoe wins the matchup versus any Lakers point guard. Uh, they decide to roll out against him. So then let's move on to George Hill versus KCP. Now, George Hill's a little bit of a combo guard. He happens to be a ball handler who can actually really stroke it, as evidenced by his number one three-point percentage in the NBA. The fact that the Bucks are paying this guy $9 million a year is highway robbery. Quick shout-out to John Horst. Keep doing what you're doing. We have full faith in you. And, man, was George Hill a great pickup. So George Hill, he's doing his thing. He's averaging 10 points a game, three rebounds, three assists, 17.79 player efficiency rating. The Bucks just have these great, great, great efficient players. Um... You know, there's no, there's no, there's no accident the Bucks are this good this year. A lot of their players are actually more efficient than the average players in the league. There's only so many players who do have a player efficiency rating above 15, and a lot of them happen to be on the Bucks. So 
George Hill, another great player to have on the squad. You look at Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, kind of a hollow, you know, hollow numbers guy. He's averaging 26 minutes a game, 10 points. But you look at his player efficiency rating, 11.79. Nothing exceptional whatsoever about that. George Hill wins the matchup. This is where it gets a little interesting. Dwight Howard versus Robin Lopez. Dwight Howard, he has a lot more, what do you call it, weight, body mass on Lopez. But Robin Lopez is having a tremendous second half. And actually, let's pull up the second half stats real quick. Uh, Dwight Howard's averaging 7.7 points a game in 18 minutes. And Robin Lopez is averaging 8.2 points a game in 18 minutes. So these guys are kind of putting up similar numbers. The only difference is Robin Lopez is actually shooting some threes, and he's making some threes. So he's kind of spreading the floor for Giannis a little bit. Uh, We'll see. That'll be a fascinating matchup to watch, kind of seeing how those guys off the bench are whether you know how how much they how many minutes they choose to the coaches choose to give them uh that'll be a matchup to keep their eye on because it's very 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 similar let's let's call that a, a push let's call that a fair matchup then we go to Alex Caruso versus Dante DiVincenzo on the surface very similar players in the sense that they're both caucasian they're both explosive leapers but if you actually go deeper into the stats which the national media doesn't really care to do because they just love Alex Caruso. He's averaging 5.5 points a game in 18 minutes with an 11.2 PER. There's no reason this man should be on highlight reels other than the fact that he has an impressive dunk once in a while. Um, there's no reason he should really be getting any airtime besides the fact that he's on the Los Angeles Lakers. Call that the big market effect. Call it you know large market infatuation call it hidden agendas by the NBA and the media, call it the small market bias, whatever you want to call it, Dante DiVincenzo is a far superior player to Alex Caruso. And guess what? On the season, Dante DiVincenzo is averaging nine points in 23 minutes. He's averaging five rebounds, which is amazing considering how he's a guard. He's a 6'4 guard. He's listed as 6'4". He might be a little taller. Five rebounds. In 23 minutes a game from a guard with a 14.36 PER. So Dante, he's leaping around, crashing the boards in these offensive rebounds. It's a beautiful sight to see. No doubt he's inspired by Giannis's hustle as the entire team is. He comes in and he impacts the game, whether it's offense, draining threes without hesitation. We saw a lot of that versus the Pacers and just his extended playing time. Um, but he contributes, you know, and the fact that he's a second-year player who missed a ton of time his rookie season with a player efficiency rating nearing the league average really just speaks to Dante's quick ability to learn, his ability to compete on a high-level team, his ability to contribute on a high-level team, and even beyond that, something that should get Bucks fans very, very excited, his upside. Dante DiVincenzo. Now, feel free to agree with me. Feel free to disagree with me. Feel free to throw your own comparison in there. Looks very, 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 very similar. I'm not saying he's like this, but maybe you could call it a poor man's, at this stage, a poor man's Donovan Mitchell. They're both, you know, ball-handling shooting guards with explosive leaping ability. They can both shoot the three. They both have no fear. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell has a much higher usage rate. He does impact the game more when you look at the per 36, the per 40 numbers. But if you turn on the tape, Donovan Mitchell and Dante DiVincenzo 
are not so different. The fact that the Bucks had this guy for two more years on his rookie deal, uh, potentially an option after that, and an extension after that, should make Bucks fans around the league very, very excited because Dante DiVincenzo has all-star upside. When you combine that with Giannis, Chris, Bled, who could potentially be an all-star in any given year, Lopez, who got a lot of consideration this year, with Dante, you're talking five potential all-stars, kind of like the Warriors had a few years ago, and it ended up working out pretty well for them. They got a couple rings. So Dante DiVincenzo, once again, should have no problem winning the matchup against Alex Caruso. So last but not least, excuse me, last but not least, and then we'll get to coaching, the bench mob versus the Lakers bench. I think this is interesting because you have, on one end, you have the LeBron effect, uh, something that some people may choose to deny exists, but I think deep NBA fans would admit that it is a thing. LeBron, simply put, elevates the play of his teammates. And what that does is it causes no names, such as we saw in the Miami Heat when they had to fill out their roster with minimum guys, uh, such as we saw with the Cleveland Cavaliers when he, you know, had to go up against the Warriors all by himself in that one final series. He didn't end up winning it, but the next year he did end up winning it. Um, LeBron James gets the best out of his teammates. Unfortunately, Kyle Kuzma is not one of those players. Well, it's actually not none of my concern because I'm a Bucks fan, but LeBron James brings out the best in his teammates. His passing ability does that, and that kind of gives the Lakers bench a little bit of an X factor. They do have guys like Danny Green, pretty solid player. He's having a pretty bad year. They picked up Markeith Morris, pretty solid player, not having the greatest year. Um, but yeah, you know, LeBron will empower those guys to be even better. You look at Milwaukee, Giannis kind of has a similar effect on that, and so does Bud's system, where Giannis does empower his teammates. He does elevate their play because he draws so much attention. Uh, guys like Marvin Williams, up and down, but he's been able to contribute. Sterling Brown, he's had a couple really nice moments. He plays tenacious defense. He likes to be active. Pat Connington, he can give you threes. He can give you intense defense. He can give you dunks. Pat brings a little bit of everything to the table. Robin Lopez, we already touched on him. You know, a really, 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 really great backup center. Kyle Korver, he's a player that a lot of Bucks fans have been missing lately. He's, uh, he's had some back issues, and you hope that he'll be all right. This could be they're just giving him extended rest because he's old and they, you know, they're kind of the dog days of the season here. But one of the league's, one of the game's best ever three-point shooters and he's a guy who can only make your team better. Arsene Eliasova hasn't been getting a lot of playing time lately, but seven points, five rebounds a game, 15.58 PER, very smart player. Not as shifty on defense as he used to be, but Arsene Eliasova definitely impacts the game. He can shoot a three, which is really you know essential in today's NBA. Uh, you know, DJ Wilson can't even get on the court because the Bucks are so deep. So you look at bench to bench, Maybe I'm biased because we're located in Milwaukee here, but the Bucks bench has a slight edge over the Lakers bench. And, you know, some people might say the exact opposite. Some people might say it's even, it's a push. I'm curious if you know what you guys think, so let me know if you have any differing opinions on that. And, you know, kind of as, we, as we're talking about the bench, it leads into something else where kind of the greater point of supporting casts and the NBA is a league of stars you need a star to win a championship a lot of people would say you need two or three stars to win a championship 
And LeBron no doubt has a bona fide second star. And the Bucks would argue that, you know, I think everyone who knows the Bucks basketball, everyone who watches Bucks basketball, everyone, you know, even a lot of players around the league would argue that Chris Middleton is definitely, if he wasn't already last year, this year he is definitely a second star who is still ascending as a player. But there are guys like Colin Coward who still, still deny the heat with Chris Middleton. And it just doesn't make much sense. This is what Coward had to say about Chris Middleton a couple days ago. Chris Middleton this year, he's a very, he's a good player. He did score 50 this year in a game. Well, let's see who it was against. Oh, the Wizards. Colin, that is unfair. He also had a 41-point game. Who is that against? The Wizards. Let me give you a team that won't be a playoff factor. The Wizards. So it's just ridiculous how Chris Milton will put up 50-point games. He'll put up 40-point games. He's made several game-winning shots throughout his career. Uh, He's proven he can score with Giannis out, with Giannis on the court, with Giannis off the court. And it's just ridiculous to me especially, and to a lot of Bucks fans, it's, it's blasphemous, but it's especially ridiculous because if this were any other player, if this were Anthony Davis, if this were Bradley Beal, if this were Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving especially, if Kyrie Irving put up 40 points versus anyone, he could put up 40 points versus the Knicks, he could put up 40 points versus the lowly Cavs, and it would be front page news. It would be headline this, headline that. You know, Karis LeVert, or I think it was Spencer Dinwiddie or someone, went off for 30-something the other night. Front page news. You know, headline, headline, headline. That's all anyone can talk about. And you think about Chris Middleton putting up a 50-point game. It doesn't matter who it is. If this was anyone else around the league putting up a 50-point game, it would be talked about like nobody's business. If this was Zach Levine putting up a 50-point game, this was even Carl Anthony Towns putting up a 50-point game, which I don't know if he's ever capable of doing that. But if this was anyone, if this was Kawhi, if this was Paul George, if this was you know, Jimmy Butler, uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, he'll probably never do that. But, you know, if this was anyone, just for example, versus, oh my gosh, if this was Jason Tatum putting up 40 or 50, can you imagine what the media would do? They would gush over it. They would lose their minds. They would anoint Jason Tatum as the new MVP. It's absolutely ridiculous the disrespect Chris Middleton gets around the league. And I don't think it's really something that Bucks fans need to worry about too much because truth is, The players and the coaches and the personnel around the league have the highest respect for Chris Middleton. If you look at his career arc, every year he gets better. He's not only great on the court, he's great off the court. He's got an extremely high IQ. And it just blows my mind that there still continue to be Chris Middleton doubters. He continues to elevate his play. So... Before we finish, we did uh, get some fan questions. We asked you guys for some fan questions on Twitter. And I'm just pulling them up right now. So bear with me for a sec. I uh, just want to do some quick hitters. We asked Bucks fans, what are your biggest questions, concerns, or topic of discussions for the uh, topics of discussion for the primetime matchup versus LeBron and the Lakers? Glenn Big Dog Robinson tweets Tony Brothers. Nine favorites, so it seems like a couple of Bucks fans share that same fear. 
Tony Brothers, you know, it's hard to tell who's going to be refing a game ahead of time. Usually those matchups are announced the day of. But if he's refing the game, you know, the Bucks fans aren't the only fans who have a problem with Tony Brothers. I don't think the Bucks have many friends around the NBA in terms of referees. But it would not be a good sight to see Tony Brothers ref that game. He always calls these ticky-tack fouls on Giannis. It's not cool. It's not good for the, the flow. And he's just someone you can't really trust out there to hold the integrity of the game. So let's hope that he's not there. Luckily, this is a regular season, but still, we want this to be a pure game. Hooper's Debate tweets in and says, we need to close our quarters better. And that's absolutely true. Um, Hooper's Debate, you know, the Bucks have had a couple lapses lately. Uh, we've been very, very, very strong the entire season. But I think if you look at the context of this season, the Bucks have a matchup with the Lakers bearing down on them. You know, they might have been overlooking some of their current games uh, in anticipation for that Lakers matchup. It could be that they're in the dog days of the season. Um, you know, but, but the thing that should give you comfort, Hooper's debate, and Bucks fans everywhere, is that the Bucks are elite defensively and we are elite offensively. We have a tremendous coach. So I don't think anyone's going to have to worry about that in the playoffs. Uh, but time will tell. Time will tell. It's going to be close. Um, Miltiades Macris, shout to, shout to all our Greek fans, tweeting in saying, we will have a big problem with matchups Friday night. Well, LeBron and AD, of course, are going to be a problem. Mad respect for their games. But as we kind of detailed the matchups we just talked about, the Bucks own pretty much you know, you know Giannis versus LeBron. That's enough said. That's you know, Giannis might have a slight edge. LeBron might easily match him. Could be. Let's just say it's even for respect's sake. Um, you know the Bucks win a lot of those matchups, uh, including the coach. Um, I would I would argue that Coach Budenholzer, uh, Coach Bud, is a superior coach to Frank Vogel. And just be thankful you don't have Jason Kidd lurking on your coaching staff. You know who knows? Who knows? I would not want that guy anywhere near the Bucks. Uh, Bucks 2020 tweets in saying, I'd like to have a healthy Corver play. I think we would all like to see a little more Corver. I think if anything, we would just like to see him out there to know he's okay, to know he's healthy. He's missed a lot of time. Uh, it is a back thing, but, you know, better safe than sorry. Let's get him rested. Um, seven is gone tweets. Who will Giannis and Cash be guarding Friday night? Well, like we mentioned, there's going to be a lot of ebb and flow, um, you know, no one wants Giannis to guard them. No one wants Chris to really guard them. So they're going to probably run some pick and roll action where they go for some switches. So I imagine you'll be seeing a lot of uh, Middleton with Kuzma, a lot of Giannis with Davis, maybe Giannis with Kuzma, Giannis with LeBron, Middleton with LeBron. I know last time Wesley Matthews did a f fantastic job with LeBron. I will have to see if there's any, you know, matchup updates any tweaks made in strategy by these coaches since the last matchup but Giannis and Cash don't worry they're probably going to be guarding some of the Lakers best players Uncle Gray tweets in saying what do we do when they build a wall for Giannis because it's inevitable that building a wall and a good game from three is our Achilles heel you are not wrong Uncle Gray but what the Bucks can do to address that is make shots you know uh, Giannis provides tremendous attention for himself which you know, draws defenses on him leaving other shooters open uh, these players that are on the bucks most of them are being paid over a million dollars a year so when you're making that much money you just got to do your job you just got to make shots and we've done that most of the games this season if the bucks do drop one game here or there it's not a big deal because they've only lost back-to-back -back games one time in the entire past two years which is 
absolutely absurd. You never see that ever. Uh, but but if you look towards the playoffs, you apply a playoff context to it. Yes, last year was a freak accident uh, in versus the Toronto Raptors in the conference finals. But it's very, very, very hard to believe that any team, even if they do beat the Bucks once, could they beat them twice? Could they beat them three times, four times? Very, very unlikely. So I think you can be all right with that. Zachary Zorowski says, my question is, how come if we win, the media will play it off like it was an off night for the Lakers? And if we lose, it means the media and the Lakers will win the championship. Jamal Beats tweets in one word, money. <laughs> um, Zachary had 10 people like his tweet. So I think a lot of people, you know, kind of share that similar frustration. This is just small market bias. This is large media infatuation. Uh, their agenda has become obvious. It's to get Giannis out of small market Milwaukee. They're not happy that he's here. They're not happy that he's going to win rings here. They're not happy that he's going to sign a Supermax here. So they're doing everything they can to just act like his accomplishments aren't, you know, really anything. Act like the team's accomplishments aren't really anything. Act like the regular season doesn't matter. Well, the regular season actually does matter because it sets up the playoffs and it determines the entire you know, how we perceive these players as we match up and everything. So, so yeah, that's just, unfortunately, Zach, that is a small market bias problem that we're probably going to have to deal with for a long time. Chio Aliso tweets in refs. Yep, I think we're all a little concerned that the Lakers, the Showtime, especially in the Staples Center, might get, uh, you know, they might get a little bit favorable treatment, but can't really worry about that until the game comes. Richard Young tweets in saying LeBron is having a nice season with another one of the what six or seven best players in the league next to him he's referring to Anthony Davis there Giannis is having a nice season with the middling all-stars number two he's referring to Chris Middleton and as we just touched on Chris Middleton is much more than a than a middling all-star I think he's going to be a consistent all-star from here on out and he Richard says you tell me who's the MVP this season so shout to Richard uh I understand where you're coming from. You're a huge Giannis fan. You think he's the MVP, and we are right there with you. The evidence is overwhelmingly supporting your claim. But let's not forget at just how skilled, just how impactful Chris Middleton has been. So, you know, he's a perfect complement to Giannis. Giannis is a little more physical. Chris Middleton's a little more finesse. He pulls out the Kobe moves and, you know, shout to Kobe, RIP. Uh, Giannis has been pulling out that move from his bag since Jan, or since Harden said he has no skill. He's doing the turnaround fadeaway jumper on the baseline. It is absolutely silky. It's pristine. It's beautiful to watch. It's just a sight to behold. So uh, look, look for some of that from Chris. Look for some of that from Giannis. I'm sure they're aware of the implications of this game, not just as a regular season game because it's really only one game, but you know the entire narrative. Like This is why they play the game. This is why you get up in the regular season. There's 82 games. It's impossible to value every one the same. And this one just might be the most valuable to the Bucks players. So I just want to thank everyone who submitted some questions. Uh, sorry if we didn't get to your question. We try our best to get to everyone. Um, but keep sending them our way for future podcasts. And last but not least, I'm going to give you guys my prediction, which is a 115 111 Milwaukee Bucks victory. And it is going to be similar to the game the Bucks played at the Staples Center last season, if anyone remembers that, where it was a very, very, very close game. The Lakers are clawing their way back into it. 
and at the end of the game the Bucks just put their foot down and won the game which set the sports world on fire it was a moment for Giannis that a lot of people said hey this man is for real and I think it's going to be a very close game the Bucks could very well lose this game uh, there's never been more adversity that they're going to face in a regular season game in 2020 than right now so it's on the Lakers home court LeBron is there Anthony Davis is there and they're not looking to lose this is a finals preview make no mistake uh, the Lakers have separated themselves from the Clippers. The Bucks have separated themselves from the rest of the league. And these teams are on a crash course. It's anybody's game in the Staples Center. I predict Bucks in a close one. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Ike Bucks podcast. We just want to thank everyone for uh, following us, for listening in. And uh, we just want to remind you guys, if you don't already, check us out on Twitter, Ike underscore Bucks. We've got a lot of Bucks content, a lot of great Giannis content. Um, anything that's happened with the Bucks, you'll find it there. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please tell a friend. You know, it's how we grow. It's how we can deliver bigger, better Bucks content to you. So once again, Bucks fans, we'll talk soon. We out.